Hey, welcome to episode two of the Breaking Ground podcast. I'm your host, Mike Gregg. Thanks for joining us. Today, we are with Dylan Dixon, who owns a small excavation company. Um, I came across him on uh, one of the excavation Facebook groups, and he expressed interest in uh, coming on and sharing some value with us today. So glad to have you here. Dylan, how are you? I'm good. I'm happy to be here. Good. Yeah, we're glad to have you. So you are a small contractor. Uh, tell us a little bit about your company. Um, where are you located? What kind of machinery do you have? Uh, well, I'm located in Middle Tennessee, um, kind of a rural area, uh, about 60 miles east of Nashville, I guess. Um, and I'm kind of just a one-man show. I, I tried tried working a little bigger and you know getting some help and decided that it wasn't worth the struggle of trying to find and keep help and i kind of kind of want to stay small and i'm i'm doing i'm kind of meeting where i want to be financially working on my own so i'm kind of just going to stick with that for now yeah i've heard that a number of times from contractors that that going from the one-man show to bringing on employees is a real challenge uh, i've never had an employee so i'm just curious what what specifically was it about it that was uh that was difficult uh, mainly, so I do a lot of work by the hour. Um, it's just kind of how it works in my area. Cause I'm not like working in the cities, bidding big projects. I try to actually, I prefer to do smaller jobs more for individuals and farmers and that kind of stuff. And my opinion, if you're working by the hour, you need to be operating a machine at, you know, maximum efficiency, I guess. Um, so one problem is finding operators that I was confident in charging of my hourly rate on machines, you know, when they may or may not be as good on a machine as I feel like they should be. Um, and then two is when you find that operator, more than likely they're already working full time for another company, um, offering more than I can offer starting out. Um, or, you know, they're just, it's, it's hard to find somebody that's all good and then also reliable. So. Right. That makes sense. So you're sticking to the one man show for now. Um, what type of work are you doing? Uh, just general excavating. I mean, anything that can be done with, with a machine I'll, I'll look at. So, um, okay. I try to stay away from certain types of things, but, um, I love doing land clearing. I, we live in a really hilly area. So a lot of the work I do is, um, drainage related, you know, shaping, uh, a lot of times people will come in in this area and um, either homeowners will build the house themselves or contractors that aren't very good contractors um, will come in and build something and end up messing a lot of things up and people end up with a lot of water problems and, you know, water running under the houses and just stuff that should never happen if, if somebody that knew what they was doing started the project. But a lot of times that's not the case. So I end up doing a lot of French drains and um, redirecting water, that kind of stuff. And, and I do enjoy that stuff. Well, Hey, as long as there's contractors around doing a bad job, it keeps you busy, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, how long you been doing it for Dylan? Uh, well, I'm 25 now and I started, I bought my first machine when I was 16. Um, but I, I basically, my whole family was in construction. They were all more in the residential building side of it, building houses and stuff. But, um, they all they would rent you know skid steers and stuff to fix yards and stuff like that to begin with so i've i've been around it since i was 4 years old uh, first time i ever was put on a machine i was 4 years old and we was 
putting in a septic system and my uncle just kind of pulled it off to the side and set up the backhoe and just put me on the seat and let me go to town on it. So I've you been around it forever, been working in it full time since I was about 16. You bought your first machine at 16 years old? Yep. Wow. When I was 16, I bought a 1986 Chevy Sprint and that was like, just finding the money for that was <laughs> was a challenge. What kind of machine did you buy? Um, I actually bought a Bobcat 763, like a 97 model. And Okay. Uh, so let me back up just a little. Before I got into excavating, like, you know, 10 or 11 years old, I started mowing yards. Started with a push mower and then worked my way up. And a good friend of mine was actually a little older. You know, he already was 16 and had his driver's license. So we started it together and was mowing a lot of, a lot of yards and we built that business up over the years and we actually did that for 10 years and then got out of it because we didn't enjoy it but um that's kind of the reason that i was financially able to to bite off something like that at 16 was because i'd i'd already been you know working at, at at building um revenue from from way or way before that that's interesting it seems like lawn mowing is a really um common place to push off into excavating uh the guy we had on the last episode reese uh oh boy his last name slips my mind at the moment uh reese alley he he was the same he started out mowing grass when he was super young and sort of worked his way up into machinery so you've been excavating for a few years now what, what type of equipment do you have these days uh well uh i actually regret selling that first bobcat still to this day um from there, you know, I went from that machine. Not long after that, I bought a 331 Bobcat excavator, about the same. It was like a 98 model, so older equipment. And then um, I've kept working out up. I've had a Bobcat uh, T190 currently. Um, I also, I kind of buy and trade a lot on equipment. Um, when I see a good deal on something, I'll buy it and I'll use it for a while. And if I like it, I'll keep it. And if I don't, I'll sell it and try to make some money on it to move up to the next thing. But um, so currently, I guess your question was what I have currently. Currently, I have a, a Mustang MTL 20 skid steer. It's like a 2010 model. So in that era, they were actually made by Takahuchi. Um, oh, okay. I'm really happy with that machine. Like I love everything about it. If I could change anything, the only thing I only complaint I have is it's not a cab machine, but. That just, it is what it is, and I, I got a really good deal on it, so I'll probably run that one for, you know, a good while. Mm -hmm. um, and then when I when I kind of decided to jump back out on my own, you know, back last year, because I've worked a couple other places, um, but I kind of needed, a you know, a way to dig quick, and the mini excavators in my area were just, I could not find a deal on one that was, you know, anywhere near reasonable in my opinion. So um, I found a good deal on a case 580 backhoe and I bought that and I'm still running it. I like it. You know, a backhoe doesn't take the place of a, a mini X, but it, it could get me by. And then not long after that, I wound up with a mini X as well. So currently I have a, a case 580 backhoe, a Kubota, um, like a 7,000 pound Kubota mini X, the Mustang skid steer, and then my pride and joy my newest machine i just bought a brand new um sandy excavator actually an eighteen thousand pound machine okay and how do you like sandy um i've actually been really really impressed with them and i didn't uh you know a lot of people's first impression is you know 
they hear the Chinese and then they automatically just expect it to be junk and that kind of thing. But um, I spent, I would say, two years, you know, researching pretty heavy on them because I was really interested. Um, I I really firmly believe in them. I was fortunate enough to, you know, have a really good salesman, and he actually took me to their headquarters, their North American headquarters in Georgia. I got to tour the factory and uh, kind of really get to know their brand and their mission and and kind of what they're about. And it just to me, it's not it's not Chinese junk, and you got to do your research to come to that conclusion on your own. But um, I'm I'm really impressed with them and the price point. Uh, it allowed somebody like me, you know, who's young and starting out, to be able to consider a brand new machine so that I didn't have to do as much mechanic in and worry about breakdowns. So uh, without them being at the price point they're at, it probably would have cut me out of, of, of moving to that point right away. Yeah. It's interesting. The, the people who talk trash about Sani always seems to be the people who don't owe them. Like people yeah. who own Sani machines seem to all love them and speak really highly of them. But you know, you see people asking about which machine to buy and, uh, there's always a few guys, a few of the old boys jump on and go, oh, it's got to be a cat or a deer. It's got to be a North American steel, but I, everything's made in China. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. how many parts in those, in those cat and deer machines are, are made in China at the end of the day. I mean, China, they, they know how to manufacture good stuff and they know how to manufacture really, really cheap stuff. Right. <laughs> so, well, and I think, I believe Sani actually owns their own steel plants. Um, so I think that's a big part of the reason on why they are able to, you know, come in at the price point they do. But also I think that they're just, you know, they're not coming in trying to gouge everybody like some of the, the ones that have a name are, you know, just because they can. Yeah. And, and they've been around for a long time too. Yeah. Like I, I think that when, when these brands, they come to North America, we just assume they're a new brand because we've never seen them before, but a lot of them have, are pretty well established. Like I think Sani has been around since the early nineties and they make some serious equipment. They make oh, yeah. cranes and, and all kinds of really heavy duty stuff. And it's the same deal with uh, Doosan. I think they're Korean if I remember correctly, but they, they've been around forever making yeah. machines. They're just sort of newer to the, not really new now, but they're newer to the North American market and people around here. Um, the local dealer near me has started selling Doosan in the last 10 years and people are really, really resistant to the brand. And, I don't know. They seem like I've run a few of them. They seem like decent machines to me. Yeah. Uh, but that's, that's definitely the case with Sani. Um, I just, I feel like, I mean, I've, I've been on almost every brand out there at some point or another. And I just, I can't find a complaint about the Sani machines at all. And before I, before I made the decision to buy one, I actually rented one for two months uh, just to kind of confirm what I thought. And then I just, I, I have zero regrets and don't think I don't think I ever will. That's interesting. I'm glad to hear that. It's good to get the word out about uh, affordable equipment because yeah. I, I know costs of everything are going up. Um, and, and I wanted also, to circle. Sorry, go ahead. Also, their their warranty. You know, they're offering a five year, five thousand hour warranty, which is way way beyond what you know even any of the big names offer. So that alone uh, is a big factor in considering them. Right. And is there a dealer near enough to you that you can take advantage of that if you have to? Yes, I actually have two dealers, um, one in Nashville and then one in, you know, towards Knoxville or Athens area. So uh, I'm kind of in the middle of two. So either way, I've got, you know, I've got coverage. That makes sense. That should be a pretty 
like primary consideration when you're buying a machine, right? Like yes, for sure. You you have to have a dealer nearby. It just doesn't right. make sense to buy it from a dealer who's a, a thousand miles away from you. So you gotta you gotta pull it all the way over there every time you need service. Right. Um, Mustang. I just want to circle back to that. Who makes those? I don't know much about Mustang. I've never um, actually seen them in person. Yeah, to be honest, I'm I'm not exactly sure. Like I said, I know the one that I have um, in that that era, uh, Mustang, Gale, and Takahuchi are all three like the exact same machine. Now I don't know oh, the okay. exact years that that was, um, but like my dad has a Takahuchi TL140, and if you set mine and his side by side, um, the paint is about the only difference. Okay, yeah, there's uh, a few now, of them. Like I don't believe that's the case anymore. I believe uh, Gale Mustang and Takahuchi are all three different now. But in that time frame, I believe mine's a 2010. Uh, that is the case. Okay. Yeah, it says, I'm on Google here. It says they're Mustang by Manitou or Manitou. I guess that's who makes them. Yeah. But Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so you've got a, a Kubota and the Sani. <laughs> How do you feel about the Kubota? How would you get into that one? Um, that one actually... Um, I bought it from my cousin. It's a open station machine and he had upgraded to a cab machine, but, um, it, I got it cheap because it was originally the machine was stolen. And then, um, somebody we know bought it from an insurance company after they recovered it. So it's a machine that has 1200 hours on it, but it looks like it's, you know, been to hell and back. Um, but it's actually a really tight, you know, good running machine. And, uh, I got it worth the money. So that's, I just happened upon that one and it's really handy because it's small enough. I can just throw it behind the pickup truck and, and not have, have any trouble moving it. So. Right. So you're not a, you're not a brand loyal guy. You don't, uh, you don't um, type of machine. No, not necessarily. Uh, now there's some things that, you know, I'll own one type of machine in their brand and then, and then wouldn't own one of the others. And like, um, for example, uh, Bobcat, you know, I was pretty hardcore on Bobcat on their older stuff when they had Kubota engines on their skid steers and mini X's and stuff. Um, in my opinion, when uh, Kubota went away from the Kubota engines, I believe is, you know, deuce on bottom. And everything I've ran since then, I've just not been impressed with. I, I kind of feel like they went downhill there. And I know a lot of people share that opinion. And a lot of people will say that, you know, Bobcat's still the best ever made because they were the first. And that's just one of those things where everybody's got their opinion, but um, I I just believe that you know all of them make good machines and all of them make bad machines, so I don't mind to pick and choose you know between brands and what I get good deals on. Right, that makes sense. I I feel like with heavy equipment, it's, it it is a bit like cars or trucks, right? Like everybody has something they like, but at the end of the day, they've they've all got problems and right. they've all got you know <laughs> pros and cons. Um, and you, and you just got to kind of stick with what you like and yeah. Yeah. Now uh, when, when I do get to a point where, you know, I'm not considering buying used machines and can afford to just go buy new, then I probably would stick to a brand just simply for dealer support and have, have all my eggs in one basket kind of thing. But uh, for now, you know, where I'm buying used some too, I, I don't mind to switch it up. That makes sense. And do you get much use out of your backhoe? Uh, I do. I actually, you know, I use the loader function of it a lot more than anything else. It's really handy when I'm, uh, you know, transporting material over a distance on a job site. Um, it's quick and the bucket has a lot of capacity. And then 
Mine is also a, it's a 580L turbo and it just okay. has ridiculous power. Like you can't bog the engine down. It just, the turbo starts whistling and it drags you around everywhere. So it is handy, you know, when I get in situations where um, I need the power or another thing I like about it is I can drive it, you know, down the road because I do a lot of jobs just right here by my house and it might be, you know, a mile or two up the road and I can just hop on that and not have to load a truck and trailer and, and all that stuff. So um, mm-hmm. it's it's been sitting the last month or so. I haven't used it as much and I have considered selling it. But at the same time, I got a pretty good deal on it and I really like the machine. So I'm, I'm probably just going to hang on to it for convenience. Yeah. Yeah. Backhoes are one of those ones that you, it takes a while to get good on. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. And like, that's, that's one of the the biggest things is, uh, you know, you'll have a lot of people that hate a backhoe just because they're not good at it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but it, it is definitely, you know, if if you're if you are good at it, it's a very handy and capable machine. It's just a little slower in a, in some applications. For sure. So circling back to the business uh, side of things, what would you say have been your biggest struggles or the biggest problems or challenges that you've had to overcome uh, getting from where you started to where you are now? Um, I would say, you know, when I started, I was very limited on on funds that were available to me. Um, so, you know, I was 16 years old and at that point, you know, I couldn't even find a bank that would give me a loan until you're 18. Um, so I was fortunate enough to, to find a private, uh, loan and it, you know, it was like 9% or something like that, but it was the only way that I could get started and I was willing to, willing to do it because I knew I could make the payments. So, um, that was one of the big struggles and because of that issue you know it put me into older equipment and stuff that i had to work on so um then i kind of had to learn to be my own mechanic because i didn't have the budget to pay one and uh, that was you know it it was a struggle but also I, i wouldn't trade none of that for the world because it taught me so much along the way um and it just you know i can i can pretty much fix just about anything that any issues that I have with any machine I have just because at one point, you know, I didn't have a choice. Right. Yeah. And I mean, those skills will stick with you forever too, right? Knowing yeah. how to change a hose or, you know, get your tracks back on if they fall off all that yeah. stuff. So at the time that felt like, you know, a big struggle, but uh, like I said, going back, you know, I wouldn't change any of it. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, you're kind of out here, you know, on, on podcasts, kind of in the digital world, I'm interested to hear a little bit about what makes you, um, want to give back a bit, you know, share your experience. And, uh, I had a few people reach out when I was originally looking for people to interview on the podcast. And I thought I'm going to add this to my list of questions. I'm curious what makes guys kind of want to be involved on the, on the digital side as well. And kind of almost be a bit of a mentor role to, to younger people in business. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually really liked that you added that question. So, um, for one, I'm extremely passionate about equipment. Uh, I said earlier that I was four years old when my uncle, you know, put me on the back of a backhoe the first time. And literally that day I told him that's what I was going to do when I grew up. Um, so I, I love the equipment and I have a lot of passion for it. So I like to share that, um, anything I'm passionate about, you know, I want to tell other people about and get them involved because, I enjoy it so much. I know, you know, I know other people can too. And, 
Um, I also feel like I was very fortunate to have those opportunities when I was younger. And um, I've worked for everything that I have to this day, but I've also been given the the opportunity to work for it, you know, in a lot of situations. So um, I think the reason that I'm so open to helping is because some people haven't, uh, aren't as fortunate as I am as far as having guidance and that sort of thing growing up. So uh, any chance I get to help somebody, um, help somebody kind of, you know, do what I did and that sort of thing, any advice or anything I can give, I'm, I'm happy to help. Hmm. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, so what are your goals moving forward? What are you hoping to accomplish? Uh, you're 25, I think you said. Mm-hmm. You're still really young. I mean, you've got 40 or more years left in this business. Where do you want to get to uh, with regards to what maybe what type of work you want to do or the size of company you want to grow? I'm just curious. You know, some people, they they just like the one-man show. They, that's yeah. what they want to do. Um, I'm that, curious if you're, if you're ambitious to grow real big or if you're kind of sticking with what you're doing. Yeah, I, honestly, I'm I'm pretty happy where I'm at. I wouldn't mind um, getting to make a point where I may had one or two people helping me all the time, but that would probably be about the limit. Um, I, so at one point, you know, I took a break from working for myself because things kind of had slowed down and I got a really good job opportunity. Um, at the time, I was uh, 22, I guess, um, and got a really good job opportunity for a company traveling as a project manager and uh, we was building restaurants and stuff. So I hated the work. I hate carpentry. You know, I hate that side of construction, um, but the money was really good and it, it put me in a position uh, financially, you know, to get my house um, loan closed and all that kind of stuff. So I did that for a couple of years. Um, but anyway, I, I don't really know how how because of the management experience I had in that and I, I didn't enjoy it at all. <laughs> I hated mm-hmm. every second of it. I just don't see myself wanting to build my company up to a point where I have to stay off the machines just to manage what's going on. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that makes sense. So you want to stay uh, one, two, three people kind of max? Yeah, where, you know, basically where I could just, I want to stay on a machine as much as possible. I just, that's, that's what I, that's where I'm happy. Anything beyond that, if I get into, you know, too much of the management side of it, I just, I don't enjoy it. And for me, um, for, in order to stay focused, I've got to enjoy what I'm doing. So it's just, that's important to me. I like that. You know, I, I, I talk to a lot of people and, and it's, there's this real hustle culture right now mm-hmm. where everybody thinks they got to grow and grow and grow and expand. And, and there's nothing wrong with that, but there's so much money to be made on small machines, on small jobs. I've heard from a number of people that their 35s and their 17s make them the most money. Yeah, And it's okay to kind of just build a situation and a life that you're content with, but maybe it's not built on the back of that kind of hustle culture where you're go, 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 go expand all the time. Um, that's cool. I appreciate you saying that. What would you tell somebody starting out right now? Somebody new um, who's just wanting to get into the business? Yeah. First thing I would say is that it it is important to go, you know, if you don't have any excavation experience, um, the first thing I would do is, is find a company, you know, find a construction company. There's tons of them out there and everybody's hiring because nobody can find help, but go to work for somebody and kind of learn, learn the ropes a little bit, even if it's just a, a year or so that, that you do that and go to work every day. 
um, work hard and and try to you know go there with a learning mentality. Don't go there just hating your day, you know, trying to be there for the paycheck. Even if you're in a ditch shoveling, be paying attention to what's going on and and learn the dynamics of of what's happening and how it's supposed to happen. Because a, a lot of people start out and don't really know what they're doing, and those are the companies that fail fast or end up with a bad reputation, which ends up you know kind of paralyzing them. Yeah, I mean there, there's there's a balance there, right? Because nobody knows how to do everything. There's always going to come a point in business where you're you're kind of pushing the limits of your knowledge and your experience. Yeah. But at the same time, you don't want to roll up on a job site and and just have absolutely no clue what's going on, right? And yeah, and so um, what I'm I guess what I'm saying is go into that. You know, if you go work for somebody, go into that expecting just to kind of learn the process. You're not trying to learn every detail of everything, but you need to learn how to overcome and adapt. You know what I mean? When you do face something you don't exactly know, um, if you've worked for somebody and been in the field, you're probably going to have an idea, you know, of, of kind of what to do instead of just going into it, not having a clue and just acting like you do. Yeah. And know where to find the answers too. I right. did, um, years ago I got my pilot's license and when I was working through it, they said, there's no way you can remember all of this information. You're never going to know everything about meteorology and all this stuff related to flying an airplane. But the key is to know where to find the answer, right? So you don't want to get stuck and and not even know where the resources are to figure out what you have to figure out. Yeah. And see, that's something that you'll run into as well. If, if you work with somebody, um, you'll develop relationships along the way. If, if you're, you know, if you're there and you're serious and you're not just there for a paycheck, you're going to you're going to run into people that can teach you things and are going to be willing to. So um, I've got several guys, you know, that are assets that I may not even see um, regularly that if I run into something, I can call them and, and be like, look, I've faced this. You know, you're older, you're more experienced. You probably know what's going on here. What can you tell me about it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, appreciate that. Um, and this is my favorite question. What common advice do you disagree with? Um, I, I'm okay. interested to hear what you have to say on this one. Yeah, I, I was kind of excited for that one. So um, one I hear all the time, anytime I listen to a podcast that's, that's somewhat similar to this, um, everybody says, you know, rent equipment first and that kind of stuff. Um, I personally feel like the way that I went on buying an older, cheaper machine and, you know, even having to work on it, um, I think that was the way to go because if you're renting, you know, you're renting monthly and that's a big obligation. You know, it's, you know, $2,000 a month, probably roughly for a mini X or a skid steer. And it's just, it makes it where you have to have work lined up, you know, where if you got one older machine that you got a three, $400 payment on, um, you just, you can take smaller jobs. And the thing is a lot of people won't take small jobs. So, there's a lot of them out there that nobody else wants to fool with because they're too big or they got a big equipment payment and they're needing big jobs, that kind of thing. So um, that would be my number one thing is I'm not saying don't rent, um, but I, I don't agree with the mentality of you should just rent. You know, some people say you should rent for years before you go buy equipment. And I just think that the value you'll learn in in working on an older machine as well is going to be invaluable you later at some point yeah that makes sense i think it depends a lot on the market where you are too Um, 
where I live, the market for used everything has just been absolutely insane the last few years with COVID. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm seeing beat up, like really beat down mini excavators selling for 50 plus thousand dollars. And see that I did run into that recently, you know, when I decided I needed one and that's, that's why I ended up with the backhoe when I did. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's, I mean, it comes down to just like kind of assessing your situation and doing what's right for you, but you're right. Even I say that I, I, I tell people, Hey, why don't you rent, you know, consider it. And yeah. uh, yeah, no, that's interesting. I appreciate it, you saying it's, that. It's not a bad plan. I'm just, I'm just saying, like, if you're renting and you got that, that obligation, then you, you don't have, you don't have a choice. And sometimes that's fine. But then also sometimes when you're starting out, you know, you're not going to have the work to guarantee that. So, um, yeah. and I, I'm probably speaking a little different than a lot of people are too, because I feel like the majority of excavation companies are going to be based in a in an area that is a little more populated and has a little more going on than where I'm at. But, um, you know, I, I don't even advertise and I, I stay covered up. I'm kind of scared to advertise and I live in the middle of nowhere. So I like it that way. And I like doing those type of jobs. Mm. Have you done any advertising? I haven't. Nothing at all. Where do you get your jobs from? Uh, it's all just word of mouth. Um, I was, this is another example of, you know, I feel like I, I might've had a leg up a little bit. Um, in my whole family being in the residential construction area. So, um, I, you know, when I started out, I was, I was doing a lot of work for uncles and, you know, my dad and my mom, literally everybody is, is in building around me that I know. So, um, I, I had an advantage there. I feel like. It's a pretty, pretty natural, uh, transition into this business then. Yeah. And see a lot of it, you know, when I was working for my uncle's, full time before I bought my first machine when they would rent machines I was the one running them so I mean I pretty much just rolled right into it hmm, that makes sense uh what's your favorite quote Dylan um <laughs> do you have one <laughs> I, I, I don't really think I have one uh I, I read that question you know when you sent it to me ahead of time and I was I was racking my brain trying to think about it and um I went through a spell when I was younger I used to race four-wheelers a lot and uh, my my favorite quote then was probably from Ricky Bobby: "If you ain't first, you're last." So <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, is there anything else we haven't covered that you'd uh, you'd want to go through before we close out here? Any other, no. uh, any other I, advice I, do you have for for new or young business owners? Um, I don't think so. Other than you know, like I said, to me, one of the very most important things would be to work for somebody and get some get some experience in the field if, if you haven't got it already, but you're wanting to get into excavation. Um, and then that goes, another thing that I didn't necessarily touch on that goes back to the renting equipment versus buying. If you're working for somebody, um, you know, making an average paycheck, you, you should be able to afford to buy an old, older used piece of equipment and, and kind of start doing some things on the side, you know, and gradually build into it rather than just say, you know, quit your day job and then, go into it expecting to make a living at it. So I would say gradually, you know, kind of work into it and, and it'll all come together there if you if you do quality work and um, show up when you say you will. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Dylan, really appreciate you being here today. Um, this is some good info on here. Um, where can people learn more about you and your business? Uh, so like I said, I, I haven't really advertised. Um, much but 
recently my my newest endeavor and something that I hope to grow into a business on its own one day is um, I've started doing YouTube and just kind of filming you know my day to day on what I'm getting into with my excavating stuff and that's actually you know another another tip that I would I would give to people who you know if they aren't in a position to go work for somebody YouTube is a really valuable asset um, to kind of learn the trade so um, you can find me on YouTube my channel name is digging with Dylan and I, I've just recently started it but it's it's doing pretty well and I plan on being really active on there and you know hopefully growing that into something that's awesome. We'll leave a link to that in the show notes and everybody check out Digging with Dylan on YouTube. Dylan, thanks again for being here. I uh, appreciate everybody listening to the second episode of the Breaking Ground podcast. This is brought to you by Rankmaster Digital. You can check us out at rankmaster.ca if you are ready to grow your excavation business. Thanks for listening.